Hey friends, I'm Jenny Meyer, and you're listening to the Rooted Truth Podcast, where we look at the world through a biblical lens. We talk about real life, biblical truth, and how to walk with Jesus through it all. Be sure to follow me on social at Jenny Meyer and at The Rooted Truth. Also, be sure to subscribe to the members-only, all-exclusive episodes on The Rooted Truth Podcast by going to www.therootedtruth.com. Now let's get started. Before we get started with today's episode, I want to invite you to check out the Rooted Truth Collective. The Rooted Truth Collective is a comprehensive Christian community with biblical deep dive studies on various topics, devotions, audio guides, and community with like-minded individuals. We now have our very own app that is constantly getting more and more biblical content that is always pointing you back to Jesus. Our next live virtual study is coming up soon, so check it out at www.therootedtruth.com. Now let's get started with today's episode. Today on the podcast, I have R.L. Solberg. Solberg is an author, apologist, and professor of theology based in Nashville, Tennessee. He has been pursuing theology and apologetics formally and informally for more than two decades. He studied at Southern Baptist Theological Seminary and has a master's degree in theological studies from Williamson College, where he is now a professor of theology. He also studied biblical Hebrew at the Hebrew University of Jerusalem and is currently a PhD student of Bible exposition at Liberty University. Solberg strives to communicate on complex topics with clarity and grace. He is the author of two books, Torahism and Divergence. Torahism is the number one book on defending against the theology of Torah-observant Christianity, of which we will be talking about today. Help me welcome R.L. Solberg. All right, welcome back to the podcast, friends. I am so excited for today. It's going to be so great and so eye-opening. So I have Rob with me. Thank you for joining us today, Rob. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Yeah. Do you want to start out by introducing yourself, maybe a little bit to the audience, your your background, your history, and how how you got to what you're talking about today? Sure. I'll give you the short version. Um, so uh, after a brief stint in my late teens, early 20s, as basically a functioning atheist, I kind of came back to the faith and really was questioning a lot of things. Um, and so I really was drawn into apologetics and philosophy and all that. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so that was my that was my um, my emphasis or my area of interest for a long time, twenty years. So when I actually started, kind of at some point along the way, I said, I think maybe I need a formal education because little side note, I'm a I call myself a recovering professional musician. So never went to college. I just went into the music thing right out of high school. But <clears throat> excuse me, I um, decided to pursue some formal education. Got a master's degree in uh, theological studies. Um, and I'm also now I'm acting as a, as a professor of theology at Williamson College here in Nashville. Uh, currently a PhD student right now, um, and so I'm get, I, I'm getting way into it. But but I was kind of telling you in the off air that God said because I've always been into atheism and versus science, atheism and science versus God and religion and kind of that area. But one day I had a, a um, experience that I think maybe was similar to what you, you've gone through. Is like a friend of mine who we went to church together started posting these things about Christmas. He's like, this is a pagan holiday. You shouldn't celebrate it. And I went, wait a second. Aren't you, aren't we Christians? What? I've never heard that before. I've heard it from atheists. But so anyway, I, I, I then leaned into it, what he was talking about. And I found what I call like stepping through the back of the wardrobe into this other world 
Like, what are you even talking about? So I hadn't heard of it until probably four years ago, uh, this Hebrew roots theology. So anyway, I started pursuing that, and it turns out to be this is kind of the assignment God's given me as an apologist. So uh, things have kind of grown from there, uh, I would say organically, except that I believe in the Holy Spirit leading stuff. So I think there's, yes. a, there's a need out there. Whatever size it is, there's a need that God's got me moving into, and, and it's actually... It's been kind of frustrating, which I know you've experienced, but it's also kind of beautiful because it's forcing me to learn more about the roots of my own faith. And it's caused me to kind of fall in love with the Old Testament and understand how beautiful it is. Yep. Same. I mean, really like what you just said, absolutely. Cause I feel the same way. And I think it's so important because a lot of times I feel like Christians either hold on to the old Testament or hold on to the new Testament instead of like looking at this beautiful story of God's promise all throughout scripture and how they really do weave together. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it, and, and it is, I mean, it's a touchy subject right now, the Hebrew roots and you call it Torahism. So you have yeah. a book out that addresses everything that kind of will be talking about a little bit today, right? Yeah. Yeah. I've literally written the book about it. (laughs) Actually, what happened there was I had been writing a series of blog articles and a a pastor friend of mine said, you know, we've got this problem at our church. You might consider writing a book. Uh, And I went, oh, that's... And so I thought, well, easy. I'll just make every blog article a chapter, but it doesn't turn out like that. Yeah. No. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And so, yeah. So then anyway, long story short, it ended up turning into the book Torahism, which is really just sort of a you know, uh, the need being the necessity for actually yeah. writing the book. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. So let's maybe dig into this topic. Like, sure. let's start out kind of basics. What is this this Hebrew roots movement, Torahism, as you as you call it? What what is it like at at the surface level? Okay, yeah, and so this is important too. I think so. The working definition that I use for Torahism, and, and Torahism is a is a term that I coined because I because it's not a monolithic movement. You've got all these different um, sects and strands and different, you know, there's no one place you go. There's no Pope and Vatican, right? So I started wondering, what do I call all these different groups? Some of them call themselves Hebrew roots. So people probably mostly know it by that, but there's also Torah observant Christianity. Some have started calling themselves pronomian. Um, The theology spills over into what we call Hebrew Israelites or black Hebrew Israelites. So there's a lot of stuff, but I call it Torahism. And the common theme in all of it is that they teach that, that that Christians today, so followers of Jesus, are required, it's not optional, we're required to uh, keep the law of Moses. They call it the Torah, but what they really mean is the law of Moses. And really, when you boil it down, what they really mean is Sabbath, eating kosher, the Torah feasts, and circumcision. That's kind of the only ones they really, in, in practicality, kind of stress. And on top of the fact saying uh, that, that they're teaching that Christians are required to keep those things, part and parcel of that is the is the concept that if you don't keep those things, you're walking in sin and disobedience and lawlessness and those yes. sorts of things. So, yeah. And I want to, if, if you don't mind, I want to make a little distinction here because I think sometimes we, we talk past each other because we're missing the nuance. And so... My my position, what I've come to believe after all my studying about the New Testament is that it teaches that those things are permitted for Christians. You can eat kosher if you want, or keep Sabbath, or observe the Torah feasts. You know, I, I we just signed up, my wife and I signed up for a Passover Seder at a local messianic congregation. So there's nothing wrong with that. It's not prohibited. But the 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 nuance there is: are they teaching that it's required and sinful not to? If so, that's Torahism. If they're just saying 
you might learn a lot from that and experience more about your faith. And I think that's beautiful. Yep. I absolutely agree with that. Um, this last fall, a friend in, of mine and I wrote a study just going through the biblical feasts because we had never dug into it. Like, And once we did and we we wrote it, we studied research, it was beautiful. It's I amazing, mean, isn't it? those Lord's feasts are beautiful and they are the Lord's feasts. They're not Jewish right. feasts, but it is this like fine line of, are we required to keep them? Or is it like, like you say, it's permitted, right? But it's not required. Yeah. Um, and I mean, same thing. I plan on like, I wouldn't call it observing, but just honoring that, like taking time out of those days, like Passover is coming up, taking time right. out that day to read the scripture about, you know, what, what did Jesus do on Passover? What happened, you know, and talking to my kids about it. But, um, you know, I see a lot of people falling into this. Like you said, like, if you are not keeping it, you are living in disobedience and you are sinning and it is right. lawlessness. So, yeah. And I think that just at the heart level, I feel like that's such an offense to what Jesus bought for us with his blood. You know what I mean? You, you like, you look at Galatians, Galatians 5, 1, I think it is, right? For for freedom, Christ has set us free. So don't submit yourself again to a yoke of slavery. Yep. And Paul's actually calling the law in that context, he's calling it slavery, yep. meaning that you're bound and you're constricted. And I mean, I'm kind of going through Galatians on my channel right now. So that's kind of at the top of my mind. But mm-hmm. I feel like the, the work that Jesus did to fulfill the law, mm-hmm. when you start teaching that you have to keep the law, it's kind of an affront to what he did, to his incredible sacrifice. Yep. Yep. It is. And it's, it is this slippery slope, right? It's this like scary thing that you go down that, that, you know, what did Jesus do then on the cross? Are you negating the fact that he was the perfect sinless lamb of God sacrificed, you know, for, for all of our sins? Um, So what would you say as far as like, when, when people that are living in this, this manner, like when they come at, others, Christians, like, well, you need to keep the 10 commandments, right? You need to keep the commands of God. What would you say to that? Hmm. That's It's funny because at the beginning, I spent a lot of time looking for um, that kind of silver bullet in scripture that says, look, you can't even argue with this. This is, this shows you the relationship of the Christian to the law. And this will, you know, deflate all your arguments. So when anyone would come to me, I would I would hope to have that scripture ready to share with them. And here's the thing is I found a whole bunch of those, but they don't work. And the reason is because the folks in, and I'm making a broad brush statement, not yeah. everybody, but yes. the folks in Hebrew roots in general who are, let's say, maybe evangelical, who are trying to spread the gospel of Hebrew roots to other people, they're not so much making a theological conclusion. They're not seeing these things in scripture and concluding this must be what it means. It's more about a um, it's more about like a heart commitment or, or a spiritual or psychological commitment to this idea. Um, and so it gets it got way messier than I thought. So yeah, when I start talking to somebody who's coming up and telling me you have to keep the commandments of God, et cetera, et cetera, I mean, I, I've started more often, beginning by asking questions, digging in, what do they mean, the commandments of God, and what do they mean by this and that? So there's, a, there's unfortunately, this is what makes it so, um, I'll just use the word insidious, is that they are using the same scriptures and talking about the same people that we all 
know are part of our of our story as Christians, Moses and Abraham and everything, but they're they're kind of twisting it. They're changing some of the definitions. And so it becomes actually pretty difficult for someone to, to, to engage with someone at a theological level and have a, a kind of ready response. So I need to kind of draw them out to understand, again, because there's not a monolithic movement of, of Hebrew roots. So so when they would do that, I'll say, what do you mean the commands of God? You know, And then we start talking about, well, who were, who were the commands that Sinai given to? Was it the whole world? You know, Was, was Babylon required to eat kosher? And, and was Egypt supposed to keep Shabbat? And you know what I mean? Were the Romans supposed to keep the Torah feasts? No, yeah. this was all for Israel, right? Yeah. And so then we get into, well, what is Israel? And what's yeah. Israel with the new covenant? And on and on it goes, which is honestly, that's the reason also that I started my, my YouTube channel, because... There was each of these little uh, starting points or, or myths or talking points that that I would hear, and each video that I have tries to respond to the general ideas. Yeah, um, and so that's been super helpful. I'm not really, I'm more of a writer than a video guy, so it was a little bit weird, but that's kind of the way people want to consume it. So. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. I think it's good. But to your point, like, you know, people come back at me saying, well, we're grafted in, right? We're the Gentiles, we're grafted in. So we need to be following the laws of God that he gave to Israel, because I would kind of say that same thing. Like, look, right. this this old covenant, the, the Sinai covenant, the Mosaic covenant, because we actually just finished up a study on the covenants, um, that was given for a specific reason in a season to the right. Israelites. They did not obey that covenant. Thus, they had the discipline of God that we see all throughout the Old Testament. Yes, exactly. And so then when Jesus came, like, what does that mean? So do you, would you have something to say to those who say, well, we're grafted in, we need to be following these command, commandments because we are Israel, we're grafted in? Yeah, yeah. Actually, I would say a couple things. First of all, yes, we're grafted in. And Paul says in Romans 11, where he talks about grafting, he says, we're all part of the same root. We're all part of, we're all nourished by that same root. And so there's no denying that. But here's the thing, under the new covenant, not even Israel is required to keep the law of Moses anymore. So even if we are grafted in, we aren't grafted into the old law, we're, dra we're grafted into the new law, what Paul calls the law of Christ. So there, that's one area where there's some confusion. The other area that that's like the sister argument to what you're talking about is you'll hear people, you'll hear people say, well, this new covenant, right? What does it say in Jeremiah 31? It says, I'm making a covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. That's who it's with. It's not with, you know, whatever. That It's with the Jewish people or the, or the nation of Israel kind of thing. And I think what they miss is what Jesus did to what we would call Israel. So first of all, I, I need to say this because if you have any Hebrew roots, people watching this, they're going to already accuse me of it. I reject replacement theology. So I'm just going to say that out of, uh, just out up front. But what we, need to, what we need to look at is Jeremiah 31, when that prophet gave that prophecy about the new covenant, because as you said, Israel broke the covenant, right? Mm -hmm. Jeremiah 31 says that, that God was the faithful husband and Israel was the unfaithful bride. And God said, I'm going to make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Well, at that time, it was a divided kingdom. So God was essentially saying, I'm making it with the whole of my people, not just Judah, not just Israel. I'm making it with the entirety of my people. Yeah, that's true. It's repeated again in Hebrews 8. But once the new covenant happened, Gentiles were then grafted in. And so the whole of God's people now includes Jews and Gentiles, as we read in, in Galatians 3. Yep. So yes, we're grafted in, but the house rules, so to speak, 
aren't the mosaic law anymore. Yep. So in my study, I, and I like wouldn't even come close to how much you have dug in. That's why I'm so excited to talk to you, but I felt like the Holy spirit kept leading me to the sermon on the Mount. Like with this new high priest in Jesus comes a new law. So the Sermon on the Mount, when I was reading through that over and over again, I'm like, this is, he's taking it so much further. Jesus is taking the 10 commandments so much further. And, you know, if you, you know, if you hate someone in your heart or any ill thoughts towards someone, that's committing murder. Like that is, um, falling short of the law. Right. So I see this sermon on the Mount as this, this is the new law. This is how we are to live as believers in Christ. And he doesn't touch on, on some of like the dietary, the kosher laws, right. On that, like, would you agree with that sermon? Oh yeah, absolutely. I think that is, I think that's Jesus redefining actually in one of my videos, I said, he's transposing the Torah, the, the law of Moses. And for those of you that aren't musicians, transposing means playing the same song, exactly the same lyrics, the same melody. You're just changing it into a different key. And so I feel like that's kind of what Jesus did. He's transposing it from external. Yeah. Thou shalt not commit adultery and commit murder. He's he's transposing it to internal, right? So it becomes heart motivations. But there's also a sense that that, I mean, if you think about it, another thing you'll often hear Torah keepers say is that, well, God says it's not too hard to keep the laws in the Torah. It says that. But Israel was never able to. And if we even just look at the core for Old or New Testament, the core commandment, right? The Shema, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and then stop right there. Have you done that? Have we loved God with all our heart? I mean, I I can't do that. I don't know how to do that. How do I get everything else out of my heart and only love him with only my heart and only my strength and my mind and all that? So I think even under the Torah, when the Mosaic law was in effect, there was already the sense that no one can live up to this. And Jesus just amplified that, right? And so that's the whole reason the law was given is to point us to Christ. It, it Like Paul says in Romans, it, it exposed the depravity of humanity. We're all sinners, Romans 3, right? We all fall short. Therefore, the law totally highlighted our need for a savior. How do we, how do we resolve this? We can't even keep our our own sense of right and wrong, much less what God expects. And so that's the purpose of the law is to point us to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And yeah. if we fall back to that law again, it negates what what he did, what our Messiah did on yeah. the cross. So, right. I mean, it is such a, a cool topic to dig into because it really does. It lifts Jesus into his position, right? When you're like, oh, yes. look what, what he did for us. I mean, it I literally that, like yeah. brings tears to my eyes just thinking about that. Um, but another hardcore topic is Sabbath, right? Mm, yeah. Friday, Friday at sundown to Saturday at sundown. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Sabbath is the gateway drug into Torahism. <laughs> uh, I, this is a little bit you know, trite, but uh, it is the, it is, I think the big issue that um, trips people up because it's really difficult to say, okay, do we, uh, and, and by the way, I've done this research, all nine of the 10 command, commandments are other than the Sabbath are repeated or endorsed or taught in the New Testament. The Sabbath isn't. Uh, some people will try to show how it's indirectly repeated or taught or endorsed. Uh, but you can't get there from the text. The most we can get to from the text, in my opinion, is that there is an expectation on the part of Jesus and the and the Jewish 
New Testament authors and disciples, that Jews who believe in Jesus will continue to keep the Sabbath, you know, like pray that it's not a Sabbath when this happens. So there's a there's sort of an assumed expectation that Sabbath will be kept. And that's valid. I agree with that. But again, it's permitted but not required, right? Um, and so where I think Sabbath becomes confusing is people say, well, how do I, how is it possible? I don't see anywhere that that's overturned, right? And it becomes a very complex issue in scripture to because it forces us, and this is kind of the good side of, of Hebrew roots. It's forcing people like me to actually double down. And actually that's the that's the, I talk about it in my book. That's the one issue on Hebrew roots where I thought to myself, okay, I have to be prepared to yield on this or change my position because they might have a really good point here. And then I just had to roll up my sleeves and dig in and, and kind of go through. First, I went through all the Old Testament. I've got a whole chapter on it. And then all the New Testament, trying to understand not only what does the text say in a kind of literal way, but what is the, what is the heart of God about this? <laughs> Um, and so, I, I, I mean, I'm just going to jump right to the end, and a lot of people might say, show me how you got there. But I really do believe that the underlying principles behind the Sabbath command are still in effect under the New Testament, meaning uh, uh, some time set aside for God, a time of rest, a time for family, all these principles behind the Sabbath. But as it was given in the Ten Commandments. Matter of fact, most of the Ten Commandments, as they were given, don't directly relate, right? So you have the Sabbath, which was given. You're not supposed to light a fire in your home. You're, you know, there's the death penalty that's part of it. Um, they're all, all Ten Commandments are tied up in and completely dependent on the Sinai Covenant. They're part of the Sinai Covenant. Matter of fact, they served as the terms of that covenant. So God said, keep these commands and I will bless you, break them, and you'll be cursed, right? That's Deuteronomy 28 is all the blessings and the curses. Yeah. So if we we can't just pull them out in their complete form and then apply them under the New Testament, because that, as, as we see in other places like Hebrews 8.13, that, com, that covenant has ended. Like you, we just talked about, Israel broke it, so God gave us a new one. And so what you have with Sabbath is similar to, um, like, what's a good one? Like, honor your mother and father. Should we still do that under the New Testament? I think absolutely, because it falls under the, the the umbrella of loving God and loving people, right? But what does it say in the in the in the Torah? It says, "Honor your father and mother, so that you will live long in the land that I'm about to give you." Yep. Okay, so that, as it's written, doesn't apply. It can't apply to a Christian today. You know, living in Nashville, Tennessee, I'm not yeah. promised any land. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Very true. So it's, that yeah, is it is true. tricky. So I do have a few articles uh, and a few videos on that too, if, if people want to kind of dig in and see yeah. what that's all about. But the other the other sister question I get on this is, is Jesus our Sabbath now? Is that the thing? And there's, you know, and yeah. my short answer is yes. Mm -hmm. uh, and I've got a video on that too, about what, what the author of Hebrews is talking about mm -hmm. entering into God's rest and how Jesus is in a very real sense has become our rest in God. Yeah. I feel like that's where the Holy Spirit led me in all of this. Like, hey, come to me, all he, all who are weary, and I will yes. give you rest. He is the Lord of the Sabbath. Like, right. so, you know, in, in my mind, trying to process all of this and all the questions and, and maybe not questions, but like comments, derogatory comments, like right. about this topic towards me, I'm like, wait a second. Like I set aside time every day for Jesus, like every day to be in his word, to be in prayer. Like, you know, so I feel like I am getting 
my, my Sabbath, right? right I don't yeah. work seven days a week either. You know, I set aside a day or two, you know, where we're doing family stuff. The kids are playing sports. It's fun, you know? Yeah. And so that but was it also, kind it's of, about the internal, like, like yes. we were just talking about. So Sabbath isn't the external resting on a particular day of the week. Yes. For a Christian Sabbath is about the internal, about resting in God's presence. Yeah, it is so true. And, yeah. and I mean, one thing, I mean, I don't know if I'd call it a danger or what with this, those, those who are living under this thought process, this movement of thinking that they are better, right. That, that they think that I'm living in sin because I'm not observing Saturday Sabbath. Yeah. Could I combat that and be like, well, I observe Sabbath every day. Like that's kind of the thought process that goes through my head. Right. Like, yeah. I don't know. It's, yeah, it's yeah, it's what becomes difficult is because they start taking certain things literally. And again, I, I have to just say this: I'm, I'm painting with a broad brushstroke because I know I know a number of Hebrew roots people who are very kind and take the idea that they're doing it to for their own benefit and they yes. don't try to force it on others. And I think again, that's fine. I mean, if you look yes. at First um, Corinthians nine, I think it's nineteen through twenty three, where Paul talks about you know when I'm with when I'm with people who are under the law, I'm under the law. Yes, you know. Yep. Even though I'm not actually under the law, that whole section there, Paul's saying, "Look, it's 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 um it's permitted, but it's not required." And so I'm going to do what I need to do. And the reason for that, Paul says at the end of that, is so that he can share the gospel. Yeah. So that's to me the biggest danger, which is this. It's very insidious. It's this incremental shifting of our eyes off of Jesus and towards Moses. And it's off of grace and freedom and towards legalism. Now they'll never say I'm into legalism that they don't couch it that way. But when they're saying, you know, I'm I'm not into legalism, but you have to avoid eating pork and you have to rest on Saturday at 5 PM or whatever, you know, it becomes, yeah. So I, so that's to me is the biggest danger. And it's not this overt, like, you don't see like the devil in a red suit with the horns, you know, what you, what you see is this slow turning away from Jesus. And that, that's breaks my heart. Do you think that, um, this movement could eventually lead to those, um, denying Jesus if they get seen it do so? Yeah. Okay. I've had several people who have, it's this continuum, right? Because they're leaning towards the old Testament. They're leaning towards Moses. They start to assimilate Jewish practices. And by the way, a hundred percent, no joke of the Hebrew roots people I know, Torahists, I call them, and that's not derogatory, it's just descriptive. 100% are Gentiles. Yeah. They're not Jewish. They've never been under yep. Jewish laws. They've never been under the law of Moses, but they incrementally begin, they start wearing seat seat on their on their garments and they start, you know, all this stuff. And I've had several people just they start by saying, you know what? I don't, I'm not a Trinitarian anymore. I'm, and I think God is just one. There's no Trinity of, of God, which is a very Jewish position. And then the next thing they'll say is, well, Jesus was the Messiah, but he wasn't God at all, you know? And then next thing you know, they're rejecting Jesus or relegating him to a, a to a messianic, a human messianic figure. And that's, I mean, that's straight up heresy. So people don't start there. They start from wanting to honor God. I really do believe most people get into this because of a fairly pure desire to say, and maybe part of it is that my church is just so fuzzy, warm, I don't know, and I need some substance. I want to dig into the roots of my faith, which is a beautiful sentiment. I've done the, I've gone down that same path. But then they start to say, well, okay, 
where do I stop? What's the appropriate way for me to apply these things as I'm learning about the Old Testament? How do I appropriately apply them to the New Testament? So that's my that's my challenge to I've talked to pastors all the time who are having problems, um, probably two or three a month that call me up or reach out and and they say, Well, I'm having problems, what should I do? I've been confronted on stage by this or that. And I and one of the things I always encourage them to do is rightly teach the old testament and its importance to the new testament. Yep. You know, and some of them are doing that, but but some aren't. Um, yep. And so if we rightly teach that, if people have biblical literacy on the Old Testament, um, the Hebrew Bible, then I think they're less susceptible when they see these kind of counterfeit versions of it. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that because a lot of the people that I've seen that have gone down this path, they are newer Christians um, and yep really just want to soak in the word. Like they, they want to, they want to obey God. So you're right. It does come from this heart of wanting to obey God. And to be honest, like this, I would say probably last year, I was struggling with it myself. Like, you know, Lord, am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing, you know, and, and studying the feast and like, this is so, so cool. And I want to honor you. And then just like the question of the Sabbath, like, well, yeah. You know, what am I doing this wrong? Am I doing life wrong? And that's what got me into like dig into it. And then I started following some accounts that were promoting this. I mean, they don't say Hebrew roots. They don't say that no. they're Torah observant Christians, but I'm like, oh, like, look at the, that life. Like they have, a, you know, what they put out on social media is amazing. Stay at home moms, raising their kid, gardening, living on the land, you know, and honoring yeah. the Sabbath, not eating pork, all these things. And so it is appealing because you do want to obey God. Right. Um, but yeah. And you do want, you, you want to be plugged into that ancient story. Yes. And understand where you, because our roots as Christians are in the Old Testament and, and in ancient Israel. Yeah. You know, I mean, you, I was talking to Chad Bird the other day and he was pointing out, look at Matthew 1, 1, the first verse of the Bible, right? It starts out, this is the genealogy of Jesus Christ. Yeah. So before you even get half a sentence into the Bible, you all of a sudden realize, why are we talking about genealogies? Okay. Something came before and the word Christ means Messiah. So what's a Messiah? What's the context for that? And then why do why are we looking at Abraham and all these patriarchs? You suddenly realize I don't I need the Old Testament to understand the new, right? Yep. yep. And so yep. and that's beautiful. I love that people are pursuing that. It's just when they swing the pendulum too far that it starts to become it becomes actually dangerous. I mean, I get messages regularly. I probably get a dozen messages a week from people who are having marital problems or having church problems or, or problems in their small group or their community because of this issue. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think definitely, I mean, we're coming up on Easter too. So I know the conversation is going to be out there, you know, as, as these, these pagan roots. And I get that, like, I right. do understand to an extent, like, yeah, some of these things are pagan, but you know, I think so much it is our heart. That's what oh, Jesus absolutely. talks about. It's yeah. our heart. That's what he wants. Yep. And he does. So what would you say to someone who kind of is in this, like, moments of decision per se, you know, like I want to do this, but I don't know, you know, I see this like tug and pull. What would you say to them? That's a great question. I, I think what I would say to them is feel free to continue pursuing those things that are interesting to you, but make sure this is my biggest warning. Make sure you view everything through the lens of Christ. Yes. So even he said the whole 
of the, he said the whole of the, the law and the prophets and the Psalms are all about him, right? And so you look back all the way to the beginning of like Genesis 3.15, right? The Proto-Evangelium, the, the first gospel in the garden, right after the sin, God says, I will send her seed to stomp on his seed. You know what I mean? Yeah. So he's got this whole, like, here comes your Messiah. That points to Jesus. And then you've got the God's promise to Abraham that in him, all the nations of the world will be blessed through Abraham's descendants. That points directly to Jesus, right? And then you have the law of Moses, like we just talked about, points to the need for a savior. It points us to Jesus. So everything in the Old Testament, uh, it, it, you know what I mean? So if you if you want to lean in on those feasts, beautiful, research them. I've done the same thing and and find Jesus in there because he's in there. There's a, He's the reason for all these things. Yep. And so if you do that, I think that'll keep you grounded. That's the most important thing. Yeah, that's really, really good advice. I I love that because I think that's where the mishap happens. Yeah. Is you know, it's going and, back know, that's to that's where sorry, that that's where that's where this becomes more than a secondary issue. Because we can disagree about whether you have to keep Sabbath on Saturday or not and still be kind of brothers and sisters in Christ. Yeah. The same way we disagree about infant baptism or believer baptism, but we're still brothers and sisters in Christ. When you start taking your eyes off Jesus, now we're talking about issues of salvation. Yep. So that becomes really scary. And, and yep. I've had folks say, like one of the one of the um, Hebrew roots teachers, a lot of times on my channel, I'll, I'll people start saying, "Oh, you gotta, I, I need to, I need you to kind of break down this teaching. I don't get it, and it's convincing me." And so I'll, a lot of times I'll look at those teachings from the other teachers and kind of go through what they're teaching all these video clips so i'm not putting words in their mouth but you know so one guy one guy says uh uh he says you know absolutely salvation does not come from the you know through the law it mm -hmm. comes through faith okay and i'm like okay i'm tracking with you so far great and he says but keeping the law is how we stay in our salvation and i just went what so uh -huh. That's the that's the level of nuance that that they'll try to slip in. And to be to to be fair, I, I don't know if he wasn't aware what a heretical statement that was and didn't kind of think it through, or if he was, and that's really what he believes that you stay saved by keeping the Torah, by keeping the law of Moses, which means your salvation is dependent on keeping the law of Moses. Which means why did Jesus die again? Yep. Yep. You know. So that's kind of the uh, the insidiousness of it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It can, it can go so deep. Right. Like, and, and, and it, if you don't know your scriptures, yeah. you're in for a world of trouble. Um, and so, uh, you know, I, I, that's why I'm always kind of promoting biblical literacy. It's why I've started the, the Bible study on my channel, which is an apologetics Bible study. So we have an eye for the apologetic side of the books we're going through. But if we don't have, if we're, if we're not really familiar with the authentic thing, then the counterfeit mm -hmm. seems believable. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't catch those things. So yeah, it's the same thing that they teach, like in banking school for a banker, you study exactly. the original dollar bill so that you can spot the counterfeit. You don't study the counterfeit. You study right. the original. Exactly. So same concept there. Yes. So study good. The original. Yeah. So I don't want to keep you too long. Why don't you tell people where they can find you, um, your channel, where they, I, you know, if they want to tap into that Bible study, I want to check that out for sure. Sure. Yeah. So I've got my, my website is rlsolberg.com and that's, that can kind of be your hub to everything I do. Um, I've got a couple books out that I've written. I've written Torahism, which we talked about, which specifically deals with this. Like I, I actually go chapter by chapter through the claims that you're going to hear. We talked about what's the Torah, 
what is Torahism? Isn't the Torah supposed to be eternal? Those sorts of things. Um, and so it's almost made, it's almost set, uh, laid out to be a resource. So you, if you want to read it all the way through, you can, but if you just want to pull it off the shelf and say, what's the deal with the priesthood? There's awesome. some stuff in there for you. Um, I've also got, you can get to it from my, from my rlsolberg.com, but my, my YouTube website, my apologetics ministry is called Defending the Biblical Roots of Christianity. And so you can just search for that on there. And I've got, right now we're in the middle of, a, of an apologetics Bible study on the book of Galatians. I've got, I think the first three parts are out and the fourth one I, I just finished and it's going to be out soon. Awesome. Um, and I've also started doing some interviews with other folks too, which is kind of interesting. Uh, bringing in other points of view and 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 that sort of thing. So those are the two main channels. Um, also on my website, you'll see a lot of blog articles and things I've written as well. Awesome. Well, I appreciate it. I will definitely check out um, your YouTube more and tap in, especially Galatians. I think it's yeah. so important. Oh my gosh, to that book is amazing to me. I love it so much. It is. It's so good. And it helps under like explain and helps you understand so much of what we were talking about today with this movement. I know what Paul says to the Judaizers, the whole point, Galatians is kind of the model of my ministry. So Paul is actually, you know, the Judaizers teaching that, 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 that the new believers in Jesus have to be circumcised and keep the law of Moses. That's the same thing Hebrew Roots teaches today. And so Paul kind of models it all out and, and talks about, he even uses the Torah to disprove that the law is applicable to Christians today. It's amazing. So it's kind of my, it's my blueprint. So good. So, so good. The Bible is just amazing, isn't it? It's just. Yeah. The more you dig in, the more you're like, I'll never, I'll never understand this thing completely. I mean, yeah. And it changes. I mean, the more you dig in, the more you crave it too. Like, yes, I know. It's crazy. So cool. Easy to get obsessed about it, but that's, I can't think of anything better to right? <laughs> your time digging, up, digging into. I'll have so many questions when I get to heaven now. Oh, absolutely. Totally. Yeah. Oh goodness. Well, thank you again for joining me today. I appreciate yeah, you being willing to come on. You know, I reached out and getting a response back. I really, really appreciate it. So oh, my I, pleasure. I will link all of your stuff in the show notes um, below. So if you're listening, head over to the show notes and all of um, the links are there for the website, the YouTube channel, everything, and and your books as well. Because you have a couple of them out. You have Torahism yeah. and Divergence. Is that the other one? Yeah, Divergence is the other one. It's kind of a history book. It's about the first three centuries of the Christian faith and kind of how we how Christianity and Judaism split during those few centuries. Oh, that sounds interesting too. I'm going to have to check interesting that out. Interesting to research, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you. Is there anything you want to wrap up, um, leave the the audience with? Uh, I don't think so. Just keep your eyes on Christ and you'll be okay. Awesome. All right, you guys. Well, until next time, I hope that you are in your word and um, studying it for yourself. So have a great day, guys.